We're excited to bring you a new season of the Just Admit It podcast. But first, a quick note before we get into the episode. We'll be answering listener questions throughout the season. So please submit any questions for our team of experts to podcast at ivywise.com. Thanks for tuning in. And now for the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Semester 5, Episode 2 of our Just Admitted podcast, where former deans and directors of admission give expert insight into the higher ed landscape. I'm Indika. I'm an academic advisor and graduate school admissions counselor at Ivy Wise, and I'm a former associate director of admissions at Georgetown School of Foreign Service and their School of Public Policy. Joining me today are my friends and fellow Ivy Wise colleagues, Jenny, who is a former Associate Director of Undergraduate Admissions at Washington University in St. Louis, and Kendra, who is the Academic Advising Team Leader and Law School's Admissions Officer at Ivy Wise. And she was formerly at Northeastern University Law School as their Dean of Students. In this episode, we're going to share advice on how college-bound students can prepare for the transition to campus life and have the most joyful and successful higher ed experience possible. So I thought we could start the conversation by going over some of the to-do items um, you want to make sure you are checked off on before the semester starts. Before you get to campus, you want to make sure you've taken off the uh, taken care of those admissions items like enrollment and housing deposits, sending in your final transcripts, making sure your housing forms and roommate surveys are in for, for residential life. Jenny, what are the kinds of things you want to make sure you get done before you start college, before you're there on campus? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that those things, those items that you mentioned um, are really great reminders, you know, during that celebratory time that seniors have, um, you know, once they're admitted to their college of choice. Um, I think the main other thing that I, you know, advise some of my students to do is to always just check in with their high school college counselor before they leave for the summer for any sort of, you know, lingering items that might be out there. You know, you mentioned the final transcript. Um, the college counselor at your high school, of course, is going to be sending that off for you automatically. Um, but just making sure, too, that um, any sort of, you know, last assignments that you got to complete for um, one of your teachers in your classes, um, you know, making sure that you get those in on time. Um, is, of course, always a great idea. So, you know, I think just checking in with your teachers, your college counselor about any, you know, just uh, final items before, um, you know, the summer is here um, is always really advisable. So that's really the only thing I think I'd like to add. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, there's so many things that you have to get sort of checked off before you can hit the ground running. Um, and those are kind of one and done. Once you get those done, you don't really have to think about them again. But then there's plenty of times during your freshman year and beyond that where you should be checking in with, with various campus resources. I think one of the things that we find is that, you know, college campuses, there's an office for almost everything. And yet, while colleges have all these academic and co-curricular support centers, students don't always utilize those resources. And they certainly don't do that early enough in their undergraduate careers. So, you know, as a freshman, I think it's really important to familiarize yourself with what's available on campus in addition to all those um, sort of checklist items you've already done. And, you know, you can attend a workshop, you can set up an appointment and it'll really help you um, get to know what's available and, and really empower you to reach out to those to those support services when you need them. Um, I think Kendra we were talking about what are some of the key offices freshmen should be aware of it and how might they use them in that you know initial start to their college experience. 
Absolutely. Well, my favorite office, and I might be a little biased because this is what I'm, you know, the expert in is the academic advising office. I really think that getting to know your academic advisor is extremely important and something that you should do early and consistently when you start college. And that's for a number of reasons. One, your academic advisor is there to really make sure that you're making the most of your college experience. And so that goes for uh, choosing majors and minors and helping you think of different ideas that maybe you hadn't thought of on your own uh, in terms of academic plans and majors and minors. And then, of course, I like to think of an academic advisor as an information air traffic controller. So if you have a question about something on that. campus <laughs> and um, you don't know the answer, ask them. And even if your advisor doesn't know the answer, odds are they know what office that belongs to. And so they can help refer you to someone who does know the answer to your question. So advisors, I would say number one, most important, but then really the advisor is also going to be there to refer you to different offices if you need support. So your advisor can provide you kind of persistence advising and coaching if you're running into trouble, but if you need specific help with math or writing or other subjects, especially the STEM subjects, odds are there's centers on campus uh, to support you as a student in that too. And I recommend these centers, not just for struggling students, but for students who are doing really well because the writing center, the math center, tutoring, they're going to elevate your performance. They're gonna take an A minus student and help you be that straight A student that you know you set out to be. So I really recommend learning where those centers are and also keeping in mind that you don't wanna just show up when it's too late. You know, If you're already dug yourself into a bit of a hole and are struggling, you're gonna have a harder time catching up. So I think it's perfectly normal and advisable as a student to start going to some tutoring or even office hours with your faculty member consistently and early, because then you develop that relationship and it's harder to fall behind. And then of course, when we're thinking about offices, there are some other ones that sometimes get a bad rap because they're not as fun, but financial aid is really important. The financial aid and student accounts office, that's where you're gonna be paying your bill, and that's where you're going to be making sure that your budget is on track uh, to pay for your tuition and your housing for the term. But also, they have a lot of scholarships available. I know when I was a student, I went there kind of asking about different financial aid and they didn't have work study funds available for me, but they did say fill out this form and if you match any of the criteria for your for a scholarship on campus, we'll give it to you. And I ended up getting just a random like class of 1994 scholarship. And so I think it's really important to make sure that you're leveraging these hidden opportunities by visiting these offices, even if they may not seem as fun and jazzy as academic advising, you know, financial aid can be really important too. And then thinking about other offices, if you're living on campus, the residential life office is going to be really important. Um, they're gonna be there to help make sure that they resolve any issues you might have with a roommate or with your dorm itself. Perhaps your residence hall has a facilities issue. You're gonna to wanna to go to the residential life or facilities office to make sure that that gets taken care of. And residential life is usually where you can learn about meal plans, and of course, get that really important roommate assignment, usually like Indica said, through 
um, a roommate survey where they'll match you with your roommate. So making sure even before you get to college that you've connected with financial aid and residential life will be really important um, because they hold the power of the purse with financial aid and then residential life, you know, your roommate could really set the tone and change your college experience for you. So you want to make sure that you get that survey in and get your roommate assignment early so you can start building a connection with him or her uh, early. And then the last office I just want to touch on is the university student health and counseling services. Sometimes that's one office that does both mental health counseling and physical health. And sometimes they're two different offices. But I would be remiss if I didn't just mention that it's completely normal for students transitioning to college to sometimes have some bumps in the road. I think students go into college with such high expectations and high hopes that anytime something doesn't quite go their way, it can feel like a really big disappointment. And so it's completely normal to need extra support during this time because the transition's hard. You're adjusting to a new city, a new environment, new academic expectations, new social group. And so making sure that you know that those resources are there if you need them, both the mental health counseling and the physical health. Um, it's important and it's something that I don't think a lot of people talk about. Jenny, Indica, I don't know if you have anything to add on that topic. No, I think um, I think that's such a good point. It's just it's the type of um, the, it's a type of service that really goes underutilized. I think a lot of students, you know, either feel that they don't need it or feel um, less inclined to reach out. But it can really make a difference between a positive um, college experience and, and one that just isn't you know serving a purpose for a student. So I think um, I think it's really great that you highlighted that. Uh, I also wanted to mention career services. I mean, it's a little you know freshman year can feel like I just got here. Why am I going to career services right away? Um, but it's the, you know, they do so many workshops, events. They're really great at connecting students to alumni networks. And um, even as a freshman, there's, you know, sometimes internships you might want to pursue in that summer after your freshman year that are really competitive or have a really specific early application round. Um, you know, either setting up an, an appointment with career services with a counselor there or even just attending an event, maybe passing through a job fair can really get you familiarized with that office. All too often, um, you know, in college, students will go to career services the you know fall semester of their, of their senior year. And um, it's kind of a shame because there's, like you mentioned about scholarships through Res Ed, there's all these like scholarships and fellowships and opportunities that career services advertises. So I also think it's it's a great office to, to look into early. Um, Jenny, I don't know if I, if you, if we missed anything that you think should be critical to add. Yeah, no, I think those are all really excellent points. And, you know, with career services, um, yeah, I, I absolutely, uh, you know, can't emphasize enough, um, how much they can help students. Um, I remember when I was a undergrad, um, I, I think I was a little bit opposite where I wasn't visiting them my senior year for the first time, but rather I was getting to know them, you know, a little bit along the way. And so I was there quite a bit. Um, so they got to know me very well, um, maybe a little too well <laughs> um, in my situation. Um, but yeah, you know, I loved them because they helped me with my 
resume. They reviewed it and was able to help me with different, you know, pointers um, and make it very specific to the employer that I was uh, targeting my resume towards. Um, They helped with my cover letter writing. I know I had never, ever written a cover letter um, in my entire life until probably my sophomore year. Um, And it was really just great to get some advice about that. Um, I, I remember one of my first jobs right after college was through an alum of my alma mater. And so I really appreciate that career services um, helped me network with alumni. Um, And uh, of course, mock interviews is something else that they also offer. Um, And then also something a little bit unique um, that some institutions offer through career services is teaching skills like fine dining, um, which I know sounds, you know, kind of, you know, funny and hilarious, uh, you know, when you first hear about that service, but incredibly invaluable um, because some interviews will, you know, take place at a very nice restaurant, right? And employers want to see not only skills like your business acumen, but also your social skills, which can also be very important in the professional world. So yeah, it's it's such a great office um, that, you know, is, is all encompassing and just really making sure that you are presenting your best skills and putting your best foot forward as you're meeting different employers or going into Um, an interview for a grad school program. Um, And I think this actually might be a wonderful segue um, into something else that I think is really important for our listeners to think about. Um, And that's, you know, how to help students discover and intentionally explore their interests. Um, Career services, I think a part of what they do is also helping students develop you know, that that eye for, you know, what sort of things are interesting to them. Um, But, you know, during the first few weeks of college, it's incredibly busy, right? Um, There are a lot of events, there's activities, there's fairs, there's also the social life to navigate. And, you know, how does a student actually navigate through all of the different fields that they can decide to major or minor in. You know, what sort of student groups uh, should they decide to join? Um, There's a lot of different campus events that are put on by different academic apartments, as well as different um, social organizations and clubs. You know, which ones do you want to, you know, take part in? Um, And basically, you know, what sort of co-curricular opportunities um, would be very interesting to a student. Um, And then I think a tangential question to that is, you know, how does a student balance a focused undergraduate experience while also exploring new areas of interest? And so I know, you know, both of these questions are pretty loaded, um, but there's a lot of different support systems in place and different resources that students can reach out to, to help them kind of whittle down all of those different, you know, choices and options that they've got available to them. Um, You know, I think as students enroll in courses and as they begin to join clubs and organizations, uh, maybe even apply for a a departmental or on-campus research opportunities, Um, There are definitely certain questions that they could ask themselves that I think will help them navigate through all the options and choices that they have. Um, I think the first is, 
um, you know, to to ask them to reflect on connections and different synergies between areas of of interest. Um, For example, you know, a a question that I love to ask my my incoming first year students is, you know, how how do you you plan to uh, connect your co-curriculars with your academics? How might you want to combine different interests? Um, I remember when I was an undergrad, I was an English major, um, but I also had a little bit of a science interest. And I remember one of my first conversations with my academic advisor was, well, gosh, you know, is there a way that you could combine those two? And I remember him throwing out some options for different summer programs, um, you know, where, you know, maybe it was Teach for America, where, uh, you know, I, I was able to, uh, you know, teach English skills to uh, students, but also maybe have a, a you know, a, a, a foot in my door, a foot in the door for um, teaching students about science. Um, you know, so he was just throwing at that idea out there for after graduation. So, you know, thinking about those kinds of questions, I think um, is really, really helpful. Um, and then also, I think what's really um, beneficial for students is to think about a college bucket list, right? We all have a bucket list of things that we want to do. Um, but a college bucket list, I think, really um, slims down all those options out there and really forces students to focus on a few different key areas that they really want to accomplish. You know, so some other questions that I ask uh, my students is, you know, what kinds of internships do you want to secure? You know, is study abroad an option that you want to pursue? You know, maybe there's uh, uh, you you want to be fluent in a foreign language. Um, I don't know, but those are some things that I think are um, good for a student to consider. Um, there's also other questions to think about. You know, do you want to become an RA or residential advisor? You know, are there specific skills that you want to develop? Um, do you want uh, you know, so lots of different kinds of things that um, I think students need to ask themselves. And these are some preliminary questions that I think are great for generating additional ideas. Um, but answering those kinds of questions, I think, can ultimately help a student narrow down what they would like to be involved in in campus. Um, so, you know, long story short, I think there's many places in a college community for a student to seek support and advice from. Um, And I think this is a really great segue um, to talk about, you know, uh, something else that I think is really important. And we already touched upon a little bit, you know, talking about the math center and the writing center, um, but that's academic support and academic planning. And so Indika or Kendra, just want to throw it back to either of you, you know, what sorts of bits of advice uh, do you share with your students that you work with in terms of academic support or academic planning um, once they are on that college study? Absolutely. I would love to take this. So I love your your visualization of a college bucket list. And I think it's important to take a step back and think about um, this bucket list and, and realize that you might go to college with one or two things on your bucket list. 
but your bucket list can always evolve and it'll evolve as you take classes and as you join different clubs and meet different friends and maybe go on a study abroad. Different experiences at college are going to open different doors and give you different aha moments. And so it's important to recognize and honor these aha moments. And some of them might be negative, quote unquote, where you do something and you try it and you realize you don't like it. And that's okay too, but that's an aha moment that's worth thinking about, honoring, processing, and then moving on from. Um, and so I think it's important to always go back to that academic advisor and that career counselor at the career center with these aha moments. Um, I can't tell you the number of times I actually, so when I was an academic advisor, I advised nine different majors, but one of the majors I advised was English. And the number of students who thought as an English major that they could only either be an English teacher or writer or maybe go to law school was immeasurable. That was the majority of my students thought they had to fit into three nice, neat buckets. And so I would encourage them, go do an internship, go join the pre-law club or take a pre-law course or an education course and then come back to me and let's debrief and talk about it. And I think that that's important. It's important to try things and then make that bucket list and adjustments to that bucket list as you go on. And also realize that some of the things on your bucket list, especially depending on when you think about them and have those aha moments might be time sensitive, which means relying on those support systems like your advisor is even more important. I had a student who was an English major who decided that they actually wanted to go to medical school, which is completely doable. You don't have to major in a science uh, discipline to go to medical school, but you do have to take certain medical school prereqs. And so that student had that aha moment as a sophomore. And so suddenly we had a very time sensitive uh, project on our hands of making sure that the student could A, graduate on time, but B, with all of those medical school prerequisites. And so that's where academic planning and again, just using your advisor as kind of a touchstone is really important. And, you know, for that student, I was also able to make sure that they hadn't taken a science course in a couple of years because they had been an English major. And so I made sure that they were well connected to the different resources on campus that we've already talked about, like the different tutoring centers. Um, but it's all about being proactive and then agile and willing to work and utilize your resources um, to pivot when needed or to stay the course and make sure that you're taking advantage of everything in front of you so that you know the course or the road was worth it. Indica, do you have anything to add? Um, no, I thought I think that's really um, that really captures it. I think a lot of the you know the stuff that you and, and Jenny are talking about that reflection, that planning, that being able to pivot, all of that is what really goes into creating a really strategic four year plan. So you can you know balance out your academics and your co curriculars. You can fulfill you know prerequisites for your majors, your minors, do the internships you want to do. Um, you know, as you were mentioning even earlier, Kendra, and if you really want to be truly successful in your academic courses, you also need to potentially involve these you know auxiliary. Um, 
auxiliary campus centers like the writing center um, and peer support and you know support from faculty members. So I think all of this you know really goes into that kind of how do you build out a really strategic four year plan and what's the kind of reflection that really goes goes into that. Um, I think you know if you know your major, you know your minor, you can also really tap into departmental resources and departmental advising. Um, there's a difference between your sort of general academic advisor and somebody who is you know in your department and can give you that kind of really um, major specific support, make sure you're on track for things. So the earlier you determine that, the more you can tap into that kind of resource as well. Um, so I think, you know, departmental resources are something that we could uh, share more about as well and, and the benefit of, of tapping into that early. Oh, definitely. I mean, so as an academic advisor, my background was education, but I was advising students in all sorts of different majors. Like I said, nine at one point, uh, and then I worked at a law school and I hadn't been a lawyer. Right. So I would have students sit down and they'd say, I want to be a music trademark and patent lawyer. And I would say, OK, well, I know how to fulfill your law degree. I can read course descriptions with you and kind of guide you along the way. But let's incorporate a trademark professor, a faculty member in this conversation, because they're going to know the nitty gritty about what that means well beyond the scope of a general academic advisor. And so, you know, the academic advisor is really there to help orient you to the university, to make sure that you're fulfilling major requirements, to show you different programs, minors, double majors that you might not have thought about. But if you sit down with a very niche discipline specific question, they're probably going to refer you to faculty because the faculties have PhDs in these disciplines and really can geek out with you. So that is a really great distinction. And um, I like getting to know professors for a number of reasons. This, of course, is probably the number one reason. But I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention that faculty make excellent networking partners. They've taught so many students in these disciplines that they have a pretty robust network. Um, and so they might be able to refer you to different alumni or even current students to get internships. And then I also like faculty because they can make great letters of uh, reference, both for jobs and also for graduate school. And in, for graduate school, it's even more important to have letters of recommendation from faculty. And so developing those relationships early and consistently just have numerous benefits. Yeah, I definitely um, one of the things that, you know, professors are really great for as well is, is is research opportunities. If you're somebody who's interested in a in a really research heavy major or you know interested in pursuing further graduate study, um, professors are really great for, um, you know, they might you know invite you to join a research team. They might point you out to, a, you know, a research project that a colleague is doing. They might suggest a really intensive summer experience or. Or, or you know research experience. So I think that there's there's so many things that professors within a department can can help you um, learn about and, and connect you to uh, both you know in the in the immediate of you know your time during your undergraduate and then as Kendra mentioned as as networking resources for jobs for for graduate school letters or recommendations. So I think you know it's a really it's an important thing to also consider just this this notion of cultivating faculty mentors really thinking about which classes you're excelling in, which professors you're really connecting with, who share similar interests, and then thinking of that as, as, as cultivating these faculty mentors who are going to be part of your academic team and are going to be supporting you um, throughout college and beyond. So I think that's something, a goal you can start really early on, as early as your first semester. 
And then sort of similarly to that, you know, it's really never too early to start thinking about, you know, those future academic and career goals. Um, you know, we've talked about intentionally exploring interests, identifying your academic supports, reaching out to various academic and um, and other kind of centers on campus and, and planning. And th those are all really critical steps in preparing either for a career after graduate school or for potential um, after undergraduate, sorry, or for potential graduate study. So um, as I mentioned, you know, some of the things to really think about are cultivating those faculty mentors as early as your freshman year, really updating your resume and your LinkedIn profile. So that's ready to go to apply for internships. Um, thinking about research projects you might want to do, especially again, if you're in a research intensive academic discipline or if you're maybe considering a PhD and then reflecting on the kinds of co-curricular opportunities that will enable you to deepen um, important personal qualities such as leadership, collaboration, creative thinking, community orientation and resilience. I think something we haven't talked about as much is um, um, you know, how to approach joining student groups. There are so many out there. And I think it's, it's you know, it's that buffet of student organizations. Like, how do you pick a student organization? And I think one, aside from thinking about what you're interested in, I think, you know, thinking about where you can really make a long-term commitment. And then what are the student groups what student groups are you really going to shine in, potentially become a leader or initiate a project? So, you know, what are other areas or ways do you think students can kind of sift through that, that, bound, you know, numerous plethora of student group options. Definitely. And I always tell my students that your resume and your transcript tell a story. And so what do you want your story to say? And so exactly that you should be thinking about graduate school early. It's okay if that aha moment that you want to go to graduate school comes later, you can certainly still be successful but you are starting to tell your story as early as freshman year. And so making sure that you find those student activities that are both fulfilling and fun um, and engaging, but also might allow you to have leadership uh, or collaboration skills that you can put on your resume are so important. I definitely think that, you know, some people will say, oh, I was really involved in, in college and they like joined a different student organization every semester. And that's just that, that does not look good on a resume. <laughs> you know, you don't want to be somebody. You know, it's good to try new things, but it's not, also not good to try something different every semester. It's so much more meaningful if you've, you know, joined a student organization, been with it for, you know, two, three years, became, you know, again, became president of the group or started a different, you know, um, committee or project or conference with the group. So I think um, it, it is it is tricky to to sift through things, but it is really important because, you know, your graduate application, your your resume for a job is going to tell a story and, and and showing commitment, showing depth of interest is, is a really big part of that. And this might all seem really overwhelming, but I am going to do a shameless plug for Ivy Wise Academic Advising because advising both in the career center and academic advisors, it's going to really differ from school to school. And my hope is that everyone has phenomenal advisors, but the truth is that at some schools, advising just isn't as strong. Um, some schools have advising caseloads where the advisor is responsible for over a thousand students. And so Ivy Wise Academic Advisors can really help you tell that story, help you choose courses, uh, help you prune and choose student uh, engagement activities and, and opportunities in a way that will start telling that story, both for, 
for career track, if you're just going to go right into the job market and try and get your dream job. And also if you're graduate school bound and Ivy Wise academic advisor is basically there not to replace your undergrad college-based academic advisor, but to enhance and to support, um, you know, if you change your major at an undergrad institution, odds are your advisor changes. So a real benefit of an Ivy Wise academic advisor is that we stick with you the whole time. And so that's just my shameless plug um, because I'm really passionate about it. And I think it's important to have people on your team that can help demystify this whole process and really make you feel supported. Now, Jenny. Shameless plug, by the way, I thought it was great. Um, I think it is really um, hard to find advisors who are really committed to, you know, working with one student over a period of time. There's just so many, but um, as you were, you know, you were talking about sort of supports. I know Jenny, you were going to talk about kind of the ways that parents and families um, can, can help students have their most purposeful college experience. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, as a high school, you know, college counselor, you know, what is so wonderful is, of course, working with students and families through the college admissions process. And then once a student is admitted to their first choice school, their best fit school, uh, you know, I think the the next inevitable question that parents will throw um, is, you know, well, wonderful, you know, but what can I or what should I you know, do to help my son or daughter to make sure that they are successful in their college community. Community, And I think what's really interesting is just taking a step back and, um, you know, seeing, you know, where parents are entering this process. You know, I think they're, they're in a very unique situation where they have to find that balance between staying connected Um, but also being um, ready to let go, Um, you know, that letting go process I I know is is really challenging for some families. Um, And so sometimes what I tell my my parents is the most beneficial thing, the most helpful thing um, that you can do to support your student in the first year process is encouraging independence as well as self-advocacy. Um, you know, help your, stu- your help your student uh, understand and articulate what their needs are, you know, um, and encourage them to ask those kinds of questions about their needs and help them, you know, realize that there is a system within their college community um, to help them with those kinds of questions. Um and so something that I also I also tell my parents is, you know, that it's OK to encourage your your son or daughter um, to ask for help. Um, it's not a sign of weakness. Absolutely not. You know, we all have experienced that situation where um, we we want to reach out to, you know, different folks within our network. Um you know, things like that. And so to, to help your student understand that it's, it's, it's not um, anything that is negative in their profile, uh, but more so it's a sign of, um, of, of, uh, it's a, it's a sign of that they are, you know, really willing to be receptive 
to different, um, you know, bits of advice that can really help them shine, you know, going forward with grad school applications or a professional school interview. Um, I think the other thing that I often share with parents is that, you know, it's, it's okay to emphasize to them that it's all right to mess up. You know, we all make mistakes. We flounder sometimes, but how we react to those mess ups and the lessons that we learn um, from those mess ups will always make us uh, stronger and more successful in the future. So that's another really great bit of advice um, to share with parents. Um, And then the last thing that I always share with parents uh, as their students are going into the college process is um, always encourage a positive, respectful communication with faculty and staff, um, whether that's in person or by email. Um, You know, I think being cordial, professional, also respectful, um, always achieves a positive outcome. And of course, preparing students well for the professional world um, where they have to do the same kinds of things, right? Um, I think is always really outstanding. So, you know, just encouraging students to make sure that they are communicating in a way that is both respectful and effective, I think is going to be really beneficial. Um, you know, so, you know, before we let our listeners go, um, Inika and Kendra, you know, any final thoughts to share? I know we covered quite a bit for our, our listeners to think about, but any final thoughts that um, you wanted to share with our listeners? You know, the only final thought I have is that this podcast is about how to have a smooth transition to college. And I think it's exactly that. It's a transition. And I don't think students necessarily think of it like a transition. And I know that that seems odd, um, but but from my perspective as someone who's for over a decade has been working with college students, I think that they see it as this exciting new beginning, uh, but not necessarily a transition where the way they communicate with faculty and staff needs to change, where uh, they have to be a little more self-reliant they can ask for help, but they should be the one asking, not necessarily mom and dad. And so I think framing this as a transition rather than just this new exciting beginning is actually really important because the word transition to me is a little less fake. It's a little more real because transition to me isn't 100% overly positive. It just is what it is. And so that sets students up for a more real, I don't know if I'm making sense here. So someone please jump in. But I think college is always so framed as this is gonna be the best time of your life. Whereas if we really just framed it as a big change, I think students would go in with more realistic expectations and be more amenable to change and to being agile and to having aha moments and pivoting when necessary. Um, Again, I have no idea if that made any sense. But um, I think just framing it for your students so that they're, they're going in with realistic expectations is really important. I love that. I completely 
completely agree. Um, I think just by saying transition, you're also more likely to realize you need support, right? It's not just, you know, as you said, a new beginning, I'm starting all over. It's a transition. You're going to need help. And, and, and colleges are full of help. Colleges are communities and there's resources and, and um, supports within them. So I think thinking of it as a transition where it's not always going to be smooth. Um, it's a really, it's a good way to, to do it. I also think, you know, as Jenny mentioned about, you know, family involvement, it, you're not suddenly going away completely from your family. You know, if your family was very involved with your high school experience, you know, they shouldn't suddenly stop being involved with your college experience. And so I think it's, um, you know, it really is a village. And so um, make sure that, you know, you don't leave every everything about who you are and, and what brought you to that the point of college behind you're you're taking that with you you're evolving it um part of that that as you said that transition wonderful well you know i think we covered quite a bit in our time together and you know gave our listeners many things to think about and uh, you know i think that just about wraps up this episode um, so thank you for tuning in to the Just a Minute podcast series. Um, catch up on all of our previous episodes by visiting our podcast. And be sure to also bookmark our knowledge base for additional help with navigating the complex and competitive emissions landscape. Um, in our next episode, we're going to be sharing advice on what students and families need to keep in mind when planning for school placement. So if you have any questions about the K through 12 admissions process, email them to us at podcast at ivywise.com so that we can try to address your most pressing questions. And of course, also don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for higher ed resources. And I just want to thank all of our participants this uh, session. Thank you so much, everyone.